Well, good evening, everyone. Here we are this evening on another session of OBW Talks, and we are excited, very excited to come before you uh, one more time. Um, really happy to have Brother Mark back with us. He was gone last weekend, feeling under the weather, and it is good to have uh, him back. Interesting. Speak for yourself. <clears throat> Interestingly, tonight we are going to look again at Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. What? You say, well, that is what you talked about last week. Yeah, I thought we did. You're correct. However, only a couple hundred of you would be able to make that statement. Uh, for whatever reason, it did not, the recording did not take. And it was only on Facebook for a short time. Uh, and we cannot get our hands on it. So we feel that this portion of scripture is very, very important. Mm. Um, it connects what we've already said over the weeks that we've talked through Galatians. And it really, really springboards into the last two chapters. So uh, we're going to, by God's grace and mercy, we're going to review it. We're going to go over it again. Um, I, let me say this. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and speak for Brother Mike. Um, doesn't mm -hmm. really apply to Brother Mark at this point, but maybe the thought does. I always get a little nervous, a little uneasy when I feel inclined to talk about something that I have just recently talked about, yeah. especially felt the Lord in the matter and bless the dialogue and all. And so I, I'd be honest with you tonight. It's a little strange because we just talked about all of these verses last week um and so we I, I feel like i need a, a a special portion if you will of god's mercy and grace that we'd be Same able to here. look at this and set it before you um in the proper way that we would not skirt any of the issues that we would truly um set it before you as the lord would have us to yeah. um and the recording from last week it is what it is uh, we pray that god will just bless this and bless you to use it as a supplement to your study, not in place of your study, right. and supplement to your study. Yes. Um, and we certainly uh, solicit your prayers. Yes. Uh, so what we'll do, uh, we're going to ask Brother Mark to open uh, our, our dialogue here with prayer. Turn it over to our dear Brother Mike for a good level set. And then um, as Brother Mike Famously has said, then the mayhem begins. Brother <laughs> Mark, would you leave some prayer, please? Yes. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the blessings of life and for uh, all the things that Thou has provided us. We're thankful for another opportunity to uh, go into Thy Word and by Thy leadership and Thy Spirit and Thy grace um, understand the wonderful truths that are contained in this a wonderful book uh, written by the Apostle Paul, that you would guide our minds and our thoughts, that you would strengthen us, that the things that we say would be um, glorifying to thee and would edify those that listen and edify us, Heavenly Father, as we study and we um, are so encouraged by thy word and we so enjoy the time that we're able to spend in study of thy word. Um, direct us and 
lead us and help us to always look to thee for the things that we stand in need of. We're thankful for good health and uh, we trust Heavenly Father that those that stand in need that, that thou would bless with good health, that thou would strengthen them, that I would lift them up and give them what they stand in need of. Uh, forgive us of all of our many sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Mike, Lord bless you. Thank you, dear friend. It's mayhem ensue. Now begin, Now ensues the mayhem. Uh, ensue is a, a word you'll find on our King James uh, where it says, seek peace and ensue it. Well, we'll see. <clears throat> I want to read the study verses. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21, 31, before I do any commentary. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. That's Galatians 4, 21 through 31. <clears throat> and I think as we get into the discussion, you'll, we'll find that Galatians 5, 1 is the pivot. It is, a, it is the good conclusion of what we read, and it is also sets up the discussion that follows. And that verse says, um, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. So, uh, what, what, so far as a level set, what should we be thinking about? Well, first of all, I think it's important to, to identify what Paul said. He said that he talked about the two wives. One was actually the wife, Sarah, and one was the bond woman, slave that was uh, the servant to Sarah. And the story you can read in Genesis 17, what they decided when to have a, a, a son for Sarah through Hagar. But Paul says these two women are an allegory. So what is an allegory? Just generally speaking, an allegory, it refers to, usually it refers to a fictional story that the author uses to comment on something factual. I mean, I think about Aesop's fables, the tortoise and the hare. Well, it's a story of an actual animal, a tortoise and a hare, and a race they had, and it teaches greater, more profound truths than just the story of a tortoise racing against a, a rabbit. Uh, another example might be the parables, where the Lord talked about something actual that happens, you know, like a sower sowing seed. And although 
it's true that sowers sowed seed. His point was far more than just that. It was teaching a, a higher, finer lesson. So an allegory, therefore, it depicts a spiritual or moral truth that helps the reader or listener to understand the deeper meaning of things. And this is exactly what Paul intends with his allegories, to take the story of Agar and, and Sarah and see the deeper meanings that are involved with that story. Reminds me of what Paul says in Romans 15, 4, what things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. And this is really a great example of that. And it's interesting to me, being a, a word nerd, uh, you look up the Greek word used here for allegory, and guess what? It is the Greek word allegoreo, which is the basis for our English word allegory. So like the word baptize is, the, is an anglicized version of baptismo, uh, allegory is the anglicized version of a Greek word allegoreo. And as you can see, this is just basically going straight from Greek to English. And uh, one of our favorite resources on Greek, uh, so far as Koine Greek, the, the kind of Greek that was spoken in that time and place, a man by the last name of Mounts, he defines allegoreo as to say what is either designed or fitted to convey of a meaning other than the literal one. So we have the literal story, which is an actual story, not a fictitious story. And then the higher truths, the deeper truths that come from looking at that story. Now, <clears throat> a question could be, well, are there other allegories in the Bible? Or are we free to just allegorize? And here's what I would say. There's a caveat about allegorizing. I would say beware the temptation to allegorize. You have to remember who's doing the allegorizing here in this writing. It's the Apostle Paul. He's, uh, he's inspired of God. That should just be enough right there to say he's qualified to do what he did. But secondly, he was steeped deeply in the in the, the Torah and in the traditions of the fathers. This is a man who, before he was called of God to preach the gospel, was expert in what the Jews call the Torah, that is the law. So I say, and I think the brethren here agree with me, it's best to stick with the allegories identified in Scripture as an allegory. If it, if it don't say it's an allegory, then just don't call it an allegory. Just, just stick with Scripture. In addition to allegory, there are things called uh, <clears throat> metaphors, and there's types, types and shadows. Sometimes you can see an allegory that has uh, aspects of metaphor and type and shadow, sometimes not. So how do you know? Best to let the scriptures do be your guide. Let the scriptures be your guide. And I think that will keep me and these two wonderful men, and maybe some of you out there, from making some well-intentioned, but nevertheless, bad mistakes in your study of Scripture. So there, now we get to the allegory in Galatians. And one question could be is, why would why use an allegory here? Of course, we know the Spirit inspired Paul to write what he wanted, but, but the, I hope we understand Paul sees the need to, to write what he's about to write and make an allegory out of the two women. Hagar and Sarah, their respective sons, and what they represent. Uh, so I think there's there's a few things to keep in mind about this particular allegory. 
I think he's telling them that they have something better than what the teachers are selling. What I think we get from this allegory is here is the truth about what these women and their sons represent. And the question that it poses, that that it forces the reader, especially those people back in those days who were going through that terrible trouble, is this, what side do you want to be on? Whose mother do you want to be your mother? Do you want it to be Agar? Do you want it to be Sarah? Just remember, Hagar's the slave, Sarah's the free woman. There is, I think there's also a need that Paul saw in uh, redefining some of the arguments that the teachers had been making. Because, you know, Paul has already brought up Abraham in the third chapter uh, to great effect. And now he, he's, this story is not so much about Abraham as it is about the two women and their two sons and the two Jerusalems. And so it's it's very likely that the teachers were using the story of Sarah and Agar in a way that was wrong. Again, that shows you, let the scripture be your guide when it comes to allegories. I think they made a bad mistake on the allegory, and Paul is taking the time now to straighten them out on what is really meant by those two women. But also, <clears throat> I think this is the first time in all of Galatians, that the word freedom is used. You don't read about freedom. There's nothing said about freedom, being free or being set at liberty until right here, right now. And, oh, by the way, the fifth chapter is all about liberty. It's all about freedom. And so the question comes to mind is freedom is uh, taught throughout the Bible. It's, it's, it's prophesied of. It's allegorized in these two women. And the power of the freedom from the free woman and the the terrible burden that comes from going under law. Again, we we remember. Keep in mind the verse that we that we led with. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? The law is the Torah. I think it's he's talking about the five books of of Moses, and he means um, not just the Levitical law, but all the things that they're that are found in that. So let's talk about freedom for just a minute. Uh, as we said, this section of Galatians marks the first time that Paul mentions this idea of freedom. And as I said, he'll give more details about this in the fifth chapter. But this freedom that he has in mind here results from the basis of its procurement. I think that's an important thing. How was this freedom gotten for us? And we, if you're thinking ahead, you already know the answer. And actually, you we've already been told the answer in the third chapter when Christ, when Paul says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, it, it results, the way we get it, it results first and foremost from something Paul, a uh, truth that he's laid down, starting in Galatians 2.16, with Christ's faithful obedience. As we will go on to say, freedom is not free. Freedom costs something. It costs Christ everything, and he willingly gave it. But it required not just words, it required deeds, and it required faithfulness in his part. It required the removal of that curse that I was just telling you about, the curse of the law against us. The law binds, it enslaves. Why? Because it demands obedience by those under its authority. And if you think about it, slaves do what their master commands. They have no alternative. They have no option. You either do or you don't. If you don't, you're you're severely chastised. But think about this. Here's here's the opposite of that. Faith frees. Freedom is the faith way. Faith frees. It liberates. 
because God's demands have been met by the faithfulness of Christ. When we hear that gospel of freedom and it rings true within our the faith of Christ that is within us, there is a freeing, there's a liberating, and we'll get into that more often. As I said, faith is not, freedom is not free. It costs Christ his life to make us free. It also requires of us that we remain faithful to the truth of the gospel. And I think that's the point he's getting to these people. Now, the true gospel, it liberates. But never forget that. It tells you of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. He said that in Galatians 2.20. It tells us that neither our obedience nor our believing are requirements for the making and fulfilling of the faith covenant. It was all based upon what Christ was sent to do. Jesus Christ died not only to deliver us from eternal death, but from this present evil world. And it compellingly moves us to live according to Christ's example of faith. Now, he talked about the women as two covenants, <clears throat> and he has only up to this point spoken of a singular covenant back in the third chapter when he says about the covenant that God made with Abraham and his seed. But here he speaks of two covenants. And in this sense, I think Paul is helping us, he's helping them, he's helping us today to see that there is a great contrast between these two covenants, the covenant of promise versus the covenant of works. The covenant of promise. This is the covenant, the one that God made with Abraham. It's based on God's unconditional promise that in Abraham and his seed shall the nations, that is, read the Gentiles of the earth, be blessed. God obligated himself to fulfill the requirements of that covenant. The blessings attached to it were, uh, were <clears throat> based upon the obedience of Christ. It required faith to participate in it. Either you have faith or you don't. The covenant was made with Abraham and his seed. The seed pointed to Christ, and when Christ removed the curse of the law, the blessings of this covenant became available to those who are united to Christ, including both Jews and Gentiles. And the major sign of its fulfillment is that the presence of the Holy Spirit is there when the gospel is preached, the Gentiles hear it, and their faith is stimulated, and they believe and obey it. That's the proof positive that this uh, covenant of promise has come into play. The covenant of law, well, this is the one that God made with the nation of Israel. It's important to keep that in mind. You go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and look in verse 3, and you'll read this. The Lord made not this covenant, that is the law that he gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers. In other words, he didn't make this kind of covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made it with our fathers in this time frame, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. It gives conditions for the delivery of blessings attached to it. And those conditions were obedience to its precepts and commandments. It required no faith to obey it, believe it or not. It required no faith, just obedience. Either obey or not. The people must do it in order to be blessed, but if they don't do it, they would be cursed. Now, here's something to, be, to keep in mind. Both covenants are covenants of worship. They're not covenants of salvation or redemption or eternal salvation. They are covenants of worship. Each covenant directed its adherence to a specific way to approach God, and each specify a way of life. I can't overemphasize that point enough. I'll leave to the two good brethren to, to help me with that. Notice here in this allegory, Paul sets up two sides as of two opposing arms. And the things he puts on one side uh, is, is like this. <clears throat> uh, it has... Uh, 
faith, grace, promise, covenant, blessing, spirit. Uh, that's those. Those are pretty good things. They're not. They're not the same thing, but they are of the same rank, if I may put it like that. So you have all these. We call it the good guys. They're on that that side. They're they're that army. And then you have on the other side, what Paul puts on the opposing side is sin. It's condemnation. It's cursing. It's also law, and it's all these things that we could go. We will go into God be our helper. That Paul puts it in opposition to this other. So here's the war, and the question is, what side are you going to enlist in? You're going to be on the free side. Or are you going to be on the curse side? You're going to be on the grace side. You're going to be on the law side. You're going to be on the on the Christ side, or are you going to be on the not Christ side? Are you going to be on this side that that promotes freedom from law, or or bondage from freedom? In the uh, allegory in Galatians, here's another way of looking at this anti- antinomy, this opposite, this paradox. Abraham had sons from two women: Hagar, slave. And Sarah Freeman. Now, this is important. The status of each child is based upon the status of the mother. If the not on Abraham, on the mother. So if the mother is free, the child is free. If the mother is a slave, the child's a slave. So here is here's uh, Ishmael. He's born to Agar, although he's the son of Abraham, and Abraham wished that Ishmael would find favor in God's sight. He's still the son of a slave. And Isaac was born of the free woman. Say whatever you will, Isaac is free because his mother was free. And the birth of the one, Ishmael, was just like the birth of any child in any time point of time in the history of this earth. It's a natural birth. But the birth of Isaac, that's supernatural. That was different. And it shows us God's design, God's purpose, God's way of going about it with the different covenants. This one is natural. It it has it is it has anything natural, it has an end. It means to have an end. It will quit. It was supposed to quit and we should have seen it that way. But this one uh, with one with Sarah and Isaac, it's special. It's it is free. It's spiritual. So these are the antinomes. <clears throat> so again, you have you have the uh the the uh, subtle or not no or sometimes not so subtle point of the antinomy, which is this: those who push doing the works of the law were on the same side as that of the flesh and of bondage. That's the point Paul's getting at. He's he is subtly, maybe not so subtly, saying, "You see what's on this side, this black side over here, this dark side. If you're picking the law, that's the army you've enlisted in. You're fighting for the wrong side." You want to fight for the good side, you need to get away from what these teachers are teaching and come over here back to where you were when I was there with you, preaching to you. And those who embrace the gospel of grace, and they're like children, Isaac, they're the children of promise. So which side do you want to be on? Now, we already said this, but Ishmael was born of natural means, and in similar fashion, are those who do the works of the law. They are slaves to an enslaving system. They're not free. They shall not be heirs with the sons of the free woman. Uh, they shall be cast out. Cast out in what sense? Not in an eternal sense, but in a temporal sense. We're not talking about covenants of redemption. We're talking about covenants of worship. Isaac was born of supernatural means, as we said. His conception was a miracle. I think we'd all agree on that. His birth was prophesied and promised by God. 
God made it happen in his own good time. And as in when the fullness of time was come, his birth pointed to the Galatians' entry into the kingdom of God. By Galatians, I mean the Gentiles. We read in, You can read in Isaiah 65.1 and Hosea 2.23. You can go look at those yourself, but you'll notice where he says, I was found of them that sought me not. Uh, he says, I became manifest to them that asked not for me. I was found of them that sought me not. I said, behold, I'm here to a nation who called not on my name. That's us, brethren. <laughs> That's us Gentiles. So Hagar represents the false gospel, which enslaves. She's aligned with Mount Sinai. I, I think in the etymology of her name, it uh, Agar means Sinai. The, the name Agar means Sinai. But Paul also aligns it with this thing called the Jerusalem, which now is. And this, to me, is fantastic. I don't know how you guys feel about it. It's fantastic how Paul, What a when you're a genius and you, then you have the divine inspiration of God moving you, I mean, that's a that's amazing. <laughs> now, I'm not a genius. I'll just say it first. I don't know how these other two guys feel, but if when the Lord blesses you, you you are you you're able to think above your ability sometimes. And here we find the city of Jerusalem, the actual city of Jerusalem. Paul says they are aligned with Agar or the covenant of works. And brethren, I think he is making a, a not so subtle dig at the church of Jerusalem because this church is the church which had the sect of the Pharisees in it, the, the circumcision party, and the people who dogged Paul wherever he went, saying, you're not doing right by these Gentiles. you got to teach them to be circumcised and keep the law and the dietary requirements and the, the days of the week that we we're supposed to observe. You're not doing that, Paul. Well, that came out of the church of Jerusalem because it, they were scared, I think, out of fear. They felt like their society and their culture was being threatened. But notice the Gentiles didn't feel this way. And Paul, the Jewish of all the apostles, certainly didn't feel that way. So the, the, the Agar represents bondage, He's, he, and, and the free woman is likened unto the city of Jerusalem. But this time, Paul says, the Jerusalem which is above. Again, allegory. Allegory. is He's saying that the Jerusalem which now is, is, the, is a allegory of the enslaving bondage of law, of the gospel that preaches law. But the gospel that Paul preaches is the gospel of the Jerusalem, which is above, who is the mother of us all. Mother of you, Galatians, you've forgotten this. You've forgotten who your mother is. You need to remember that you were giving the gospel of grace, and, and that gospel of grace was freeing and liberating, and you felt it with the power of the Spirit. Your faith was inflamed, and you saw things that you would not have seen otherwise. Uh, the free woman represents the freeing system of grace that gives birth to believers who are not slave, but free. Now, when I say birth to believers, I do not mean regeneration. Paul says uh, earlier, he says, I uh, labor, I travail in pain till Christ be formed in you again. He's not talking about regeneration. He's talking about a timely necessity for these people who had gotten the image of Christ messed up and they needed Paul was saying, I'm laboring till that image is restored to the way it needs to be. So there is a uh, laboring and pain that happens to those uh, God's children, born-again children, when they come to believe the gospel. Now, the, the us from the phrase, the mother of us all, it refers, I think, to, uh, to, uh, to those who stay true and remain faithful to the gospel. 
This is the gospel that Christ revealed to Paul for him to preach among the Gentiles. It's the gospel which stimulates faith in those who hear it. And this is the gospel that is powered by the Spirit. But the other us are those who give up the true gospel. That's Don't, don't think for a minute, minute Paul's not making that point. You who are giving up, you're not us anymore. You're the other us. You're Because you're giving up. You're faithless. You're not loyal to what you should be loyal to. See, they are in bondage. They didn't. They they were pagans. Then they were free when they believed the gospel that Paul preached. Now they're going back to bondage. They are now going back to bondage. Some of them already are. They're in the wrong Jerusalem. That's a good question for us to ask ourselves from time to time. Am I in the right place? And the right place is defined by the gospel that that place adheres to. They they are removed from Him. I think back in. Galatians chapter one and verse five. So I'm, I'm marvel that you're so soon removed from him who called you into this grace unto another gospel, which is not another. See this, there's grace that is, that is effectual, immediate, irresistible when we're regenerated, but there's this grace that we, we, we believe in grace. We, and grace blesses us to believe and this grace that we have in the gospel sense, not in the eternal sense, but in the gospel sense, is powerful. It's it's powered by the Spirit of God. So uh, I'm about through, brethren. So get your uh, you know wet your lips and get ready to go. <clears throat> I want to just close out this level set with us with this idea that has come to my mind about behavioral tendencies. The church is on the negative side of the paradox or the antinomy or whatever however you want to call it. They want to bring to their side the churches that are on the good side, the positive side. That's that may not seem like really a bad thing, but it is. The when when a church goes to the wrong side, I, it's been my experience they get really aggressive. They want everyone to capitulate to their way of seeing because their way of seeing is the better way of seeing. It's always put forth that way. Oh, we have come to see something better. But never forget, you could never have better than the gospel that Paul preached to the Galatians the first time. And when and we, though we speak English and we're 2,000 years hence, we preach the same gospel of grace. And people want to think there's something better. And when they do, they go to this thing they think it's better, they're not content until they get everybody convinced that it's better. But it's not better. It's, it's terrible. The churches on the negative side use fear, intimidation, peer pressure, condescension, arrogance, and disregard for the gospel of grace to overcome the liberty and freedom enjoyed by the churches of the positive side. You notice when he talks about, as it was with, with the, the free soul also with us, the, the, the bondsmaid and his son persecuted the free woman and her son until the free woman went to her husband and he cast out the bondwoman and her child. That's what happens to us. If we stick with grace, we will suffer persecution, but we must hang true. And here's where freedom is not free for those who belong to the churches on the positive side. The free for them to stay free must be vigilant and steadfast in faith. They must, the free must never use the tactics of the bound. Once they do, they are no longer free. That's what I think this allegory is hinting at and getting to. Now, brethren, 
y'all take it from there, uh, clean up what I messed up and, and make better what I will try to make good. I'll just say ditto. <laughs> ditto. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm going to say what I said <clears throat> the, last week, how it feels when you follow someone who is richly blessed to preach the gospel in much power and demonstration of the spirit. I don't want to say anything that would drive the council. Right. Right. I just, I just want to say, listeners, um, please listen and listen again to this level set and how the Lord has blessed brother Mike, I think to bring it forth with great clarity. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, and God gets all the honor and glory with that. that. So you don't true. get any of it. Um, Brother Mark, if you give me a minute, I want to, I want to tag onto something that, yeah, man. Said, but, but we missed you last week, my friend. And I, I want to sure you have ample, ample time to, to weigh in on this. Brother Mike, I'm going to I'm going to jump in on what you closed with. Um, it might be seem a little bit peculiar and odd, but the behavioral tendencies, I think, is a is a, a very important um, component as to why Paul used an allegory, um, as you stated, um, and the uh, the impact of making the wrong choice with this. These are covenants of worship, as you clearly stated. Thank you very much for um, bear with me. Do you want me to take, take that for you, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, I don't. My, my computer just rang. Um, <laughs> hello, hello. Oh, that's just nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, hello. Um, you know, you, you made the statement that uh, relative to these covenants being covenants of worship, and um, you know, in a, in a. a in the element of worship, we have choices to make. Choose you this day. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so with that, I, I think it it really underscores um, the consequence and the blessing. Right. Consequences for making the wrong choice. Blessings for making the right choice for all of the reasons that Paul clearly stated and that you clearly um, uh, lined out for us. You made the statement. Relative to churches that, as you put it, were on the negative side, um, I'm going to maybe redefine it and say churches that are on the no side. Okay. <laughs> in good. contrast to the yes side. Good. Um, churches that are on the uh, the no side, the things that they use to perhaps try to uh, convince others to, to unite with them. I go back to the first chapter, and you went here in your closing remarks and quoted uh, uh, some of it. I want to read it all if okay. I, but it's just a few, a few verses No, and, and brother Mark, get ready. Cause I'm going to make this point and then I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking. Paul says in chapter one, verse six, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. That is very specific language. It sure is. Very specific language. He did not say, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel. Uh, uh, He didn't say that, that you're removed from him that called you unto, called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Understanding that being on the yes side is is in Christ from a, a practical perspective, living in Christ. Uh, leaning on the faith of Christ, trusting on his faithfulness and the components 
of his faithfulness, by which all things good have come unto God's people. Um, he then says, but though, no, he says, which is not another. That's why I say, instead of negative, positive, it's no or yes. There's not another gospel. There's just not. Sorry. A gospel that is is a burden down with um, imprisonment and, and, and the flesh, as it were, and the law. Christ fulfilled the law. He redeemed them that were under the law. And he did it once and for all. It's it's no it's not acceptable to to go back under something that Christ has fulfilled. Amen. It is a no in contrast to a yes. Would you guys That's agree right. with that? So he says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Only the one gospel, the gospel of Christ. That's all Amen. there is. And there's some that would pervert it. Um and, and try to draw you into a no gospel. Look at this. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Accursed. Paul was not playing around. No, he's dead. And relative to this allegory, he sets it up with very specific language. You are either uh, under bonds or you are free. It is not a degree of one or the other. You you mm-hmm. don't have, we don't have the ability to step between one or the other. It is truly a full on choice, yes or no. And then yeah. I, last two verses. Get ready, brother Mark. As we have said before, so I say now again: If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. It's amazing. Uh, when when scripture, inspiration by the spirit of God, repeats something verbatim, <laughs> we better that's, take that's heed. That's a bold to it. underline. <laughs> we better take heed to it, okay? And then lastly, he says, for do, and, and understand, that, oh, understand this, for do I now persuade men or God? You see, the no gospel has a target, a, a specific target, and it's got a bullseye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's upon the yes, if you will. Do I persuade men or God? What is my motivation? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant. That's right. Christ. That's right. So it is. It is a yes gospel that we are blessed with. That came that came by promise from God Himself. And that's what we are in possession of today. And anything that is not that is a counterfeit. Amen. 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 Ditto times two. (laughs) Yes. Give us a no three. (laughs) Ditto three. (laughs) So the yes gospel, uh, that, that really leads into the, the multiple thoughts on my, mind regarding this. <clears throat> I, I believe the allegory, I want to say a couple of things about allegories, but I believe the allegory that Paul uses is so clear cut and well-defined. Uh, Brother Mike, you, you really brought that out in your level set. It's the, the limits are in place, you know, the yes gospel or the no gospel, right? And if it's, and if it's not the yes gospel, it's not, it's not a gospel at all, right? right? 
And and what where you went to in Galatians chapter one, I think, is is the clear cut uh what what we might call the concise chastisement by the apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. And then chapter four, verse twenty one through thirty one is the unabridged, expansive <laughs> like chastisement that. by the apostle like Paul. Amen. And using that allegory. And so let me tie on to something about allegories. These these guys know, but prior to prior to to going live, these guys know uh, my thoughts on allegories and and all of that. Let me just say this: the, the that word, if I'm not mistaken, brother Mike, that word when Paul says that this is an allegory, it's the only time it's ever used in the Bible. That's right. That's exactly only right. time. And when the Lord spake, the gospel writers would say, then the Lord spake a parable saying a certain man made a wedding or a sower went out into the field. You know, it's it's very it's very plain set. This is a parable. Now, Paul says this is an allegory. Now, you could go to Hebrews chapter 12 you could say, oh, Paul uses the same allegory in Hebrews chapter 12. He talks about Sinai. He talks about Zion. He mentions heavenly Jerusalem. You know, there's no allegory there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hebrews 12 is fact. It's right. it's not allegorical. It's, it's, he uses the same type of argument, but he is not using it in an allegorical fashion. He's saying Excellent. there's a mountain that you can't touch. It quaked. Moses says, I exceeding fear and tremble. Uh, the people didn't want to even have anything to do with it. He says, but that's not what you're come to. What you're come to is Mount Zion, to the church of the firstborn, an innumerable company of angels, the uh, the assembly, and and to the blood of Christ made that speaketh better things than that of the blood of Abel. I mean, there's no allegory no, there, no brothers allegory. and sisters. No. It, it, that's the way it is. That's great now, to preach that, brother Mark. <laughs> now, why? I'd, I'd sure like to try. I don't know if I could. <laughs> why Paul uses allegory here? So if you think about it, the apostle Paul in the third chapter, in a non-allegorical way, speaks of Abraham. He speaks of the law. He speaks of the blessings that came to Abraham, the blessings that come to us uh, who are of the faith of Abraham. In other words, the same uh, Christ faith in Abraham being the same Christ faith in us and us using that Christ faith in us to operate in our lives as Abraham did, then we're blessed with faithful Abraham, right? Do you, I've got a question. You don't have to answer it. Do you think when Paul preached to the churches of Galatia the first time he came through, you think he mentioned Abraham at all? I think he did. At the very least, he, he, he had to have quoted what Christ said about Abraham, that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So now he's bringing Abraham up again. So then he goes into this allegory in what I call the the freedom chapter. And you'd say, well, I thought that's chapter five. Well, it it goes right into chapter five. But this is the basis of the transition of the freedom that the Apostle Paul starts chapter five with. And so he sets he puts the lines down. He 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 in my in my mind, he has he's got the box of agar over here. And Mike, you you did it so well in your 
level set. He's got the box of Agar over here and everything contained in that box. Agar, Ishmael, Jerusalem, which is now, um, the law. The, and he uses an allegory because why would you say the law had anything to do with Ishmael? Well, you can't if you're, if you're speaking in factual terms. Right. But if right. you're speaking in an allegory, you can take everything contained in the no gospel and put it in one single box. Excellent one box. point. One box. And so then he he has an one he has one other box. There's just two boxes here. Mm-hmm. He's got one other box, and it's the yes gospel box, brother Jerry. It's I like Isaac. That. Now the yes gospel and Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then it goes down to Exodus chapter three, and here's Moses. If you follow, if you follow that line, God says, "I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." When he approaches Moses on Sinai in and, and, uh, Exodus chapter three, and then he goes on to show what Moses would do, and then eventually he gives Moses the law. So he's got this box over here, allegorically speaking. Isaac's not representing the law; Agar is, Ishmael is. Right. So what's Isaac represent? He represents the yes gospel. That's he right. represents the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem, which is above the heavenly yeah. Jerusalem. How, you know, all the different things that the scriptures use to bring that out. He says in verse 25, this Agar is Mount Sinai. She didn't have anything to do with Mount Sinai. Right. Yeah. Nothing to do with God's law in reality. But in this allegory, he uses it to show here's all the stuff that is everything but the gospel, which turns it into a non-gospel. Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which is now and is in bondage with her children. Then he says, but Jerusalem, so he jumps over to the, the yes box, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, yeah. which is the mother of us all. Then he says, for it is written, rejoice, rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth, uh, and cry, thou that travailest. I think this is Isaiah chapter 54. For the desolate hath many more children than she which, which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. You can say, because he says, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free. So now you could say, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the free sons. That's right. right. Yeah. Right. And so that's what he that's what he did there. And then he says, but after that, the that which is of the flesh persecuted him, that which is uh, that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Uh, going back to Brother Mike's statement about Ishmael natural, Isaac supernatural. Uh Ishmael uh is is the container of captivity and bondage. Isaac is a container of the greatest freedom that we are blessed to have in our lives. And that's the freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ Amen. and what he has done. Amen. And so then he wraps it up. We are not the children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So he basically says, we're not the children of the bondwoman. If you're following after these, these things that these teachers are teaching you, You've become the, ch- the the children of the bondwoman. That's right. You're no right. longer children of the free. He says, right. we are not. So Paul says, I'm not. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not. Are you? <laughs> I you mean, when I, when I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you were while I was there. What happened? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it is, 
one of the most beautiful 11 verses of scripture in the New Testament, uh, in the, in the, uh, the books of the apostles. It is the 11 beautiful verses that so clearly define mm. what is wrong and what is right, what, what is, is bondage and what is free. So, right. yeah. So I know last week, um, you know, y'all, y'all, y'all went live and everything. And, and I was, I was feeling really sick and I watched it afterwards. The next morning I went and I couldn't find it. Mike couldn't <laughs> yeah. find it and everything. And, and the discussion was, you know, well, maybe we should just move on into chapter five. But then it was thought this, <laughs> these 11 verses are so critical in establishing the premise of chapter five. They that really we just are. felt so compelled to talk yes. about it again. Yeah. And I did not delete the recording just so I could be on here. I'll, I'll testify to that right now. All right. But <laughs> I'm very thankful to have watched it last week and then to, to be a part of it again this week because it's just so critical. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that, that's one of the many reasons Paul uses an allegory. And I don't, I, I don't know. He may use allegory elsewhere without specifically saying it, but I don't, I, not that I can think of. No, I don't think he did. I, I can't think of him or any uh, any of the other apostles right. that that wrote letters. Um, right. I'm I'm not sure, but I know this: you can say Paul uses similar language in Hebrews chapter twelve. You can say that, and it's right. But it is clear cut in Hebrews chapter twelve. He's talking about the real things. He's not that's, preaching yeah. allegory. He's talking oh, the right. real, and no, that's no, important too. Yes, um, very much. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, level set, brother Mike. I really appreciate that. Uh, well, well, I tell you, you two guys, really fantastic. I, I appreciate so much the thoughts that you both have brought out. I I think the yes gospel is the no gospel is great. I'll never forget it. I'll always yeah. say it's from Jerry Ancy, but it was that was <laughs> yeah, and, it was good. And brother Mark, the thing you said about the allegory giving Paul freedom to make groupings yes. that yeah. otherwise he couldn't, because if he was talking about them straight up, then he couldn't, but no. he, he was able to show sides that you take that have right. been taken and what, and wow, I was, that was powerful. Yeah. I, I think he, I think he realized, you know how, you know what, this will give me freedom if I yeah. do it this way. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, that's what I, that's what, I, that's what I think. I you think know, that's where he read, he redefined errors of Old Testament people and places, events of yeah. the teachers. And he's saying, no, that's not that way. It's this right. way. Right. And you better believe he talked about Abraham, but I hate to say it. The teachers also talked about Abraham. That's right. Yep. And they yep. probably focused on Ishmael and the covenant of circumcision. Uh, and, and, or maybe they just focused on the covenant of circumcision and they didn't focus on also Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, that, yeah, I think there's Paul's calling them out maybe a little bit on. That's a really good point because both Ishmael and Isaac were circumcised. That's right. Yes, they were. Both. I I bet you they did use Ishmael and Isaac to say, see, both sons. See, yeah, you Gentiles are Ishmael. We're Isaac, you know, and (laughs) he's saying, no, they got it backwards. You were Isaac and until you started doing this and those guys, they're the Ishmaels. Yes. Yes, that's good. Well, I, I so many wonderful thoughts, brother Mark. My goodness, you you really 
got my mind spinning. <laughs> it was already spinning like a top from Brother Mike. <laughs> and, and now you just kind of pulled another cord. Um, Paul says something in, in the 21st verse that has that's jumped out at me from the outset of trying to read on this. And I think it connects, at least in my, my pea brain, <laughs> it connects. Um, he says he's talking to I think primarily the churches in Galatia, the Gentiles, but I think he's also very likely talking to those false teachers. Mm-hmm. Who I better are believe the it. Audience there. I sure think so. Um, I, and I do too, brother Mike, because he lays it out uh, in very, very specific terms and, and uses the allegory as you guys both have said to do that. But he, he says, tell me, he has, he tells, I want you, I've told you some things up to this point. All right. I've told you about the covenant of promise. I've told you a lot of things about the covenant of promise, about Abraham, and 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 I've told you things about the law. He says, "Ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law?" You know, there's something that is quite condemning when you find yourself in a situation that you're holding fast to something, and then you have to hear the words come out of your own mouth. Mm, yes. And I think Paul is really putting forth the the thought, and he uses, as you guys have clearly and wonderfully said, he he uses the bucket, so to speak, in in an allegorical sense, to just heap on and heap up and build up uh, the case that that he is making. Um, And and he's driving the churches in Galatia to truly listen to themselves. Perhaps they thought, "This this is a simple thing. This is not a big deal. Hmm. I mean, we felt the spirit, we were lifted up, we rejoiced in it, but we really want fellowship with the church of Jerusalem and all of these things. We've been outsiders looking in and all they're asking is this is a simple, this is not a big deal. Paul's saying it is the biggest deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not just a big deal. It is the deal. It's the deal. It's the deal. It's the deal of right? a lifetime. And, and so in order for them to understand that, they he, they had they were forced to i believe at least paul wanted them to to answer the question what does what does it say to you what does yeah. it say to well you? i know you're going to go to the teachers so go ask them ask go yeah. ask them, ask Michael, them. Go ask and see them. what they say and see what they say see what they say because you know, then the I'm last wondering. point that you made brother mark and i'm going to say this and then hush um paul's driving to where we all want to be yeah and that's in the liberty yeah yeah. Wherein Christ has made us free. That's oh, where we man. all want to occupy. That's where we all want to sit down. But he but, but you gotta you gotta climb the mountain. <laughs> right. 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 You gotta you gotta get over the peak and then order for you to have that. And what uh what an amazing place in scripture. It's one that historically in my ministry, not that long, uh long enough. I've I've looked at it, 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 and I've continued to shy away, shy away, because I never really felt like I like I got it. And and if I'm not deceived in my heart, um, I think I think I got it. (laughs) How precious it is! Oh, it is because it makes Galatians five and one. I mean, (laughs) it makes it everything. Stand it does. In the it really does. wherewith Christ 
has made us free. Oh, love it, brothers. I I agree, totally agree. And I like the fact that it says Christ hath made us free. It yes. ties back to what he said in Galatians 4, where it says, but uh, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the Son, made made, under, made of woman, made, made under the law. Well, he made us free. And I, I, I think Great point. it's better to be made free than set free, you know, because to be set free, you may just run like a chicken with your head cut off. That's right. Uh, That's right. <laughs> <but he> made, <laughs> to be made free is different. <laughs> yeah, free means you you have. Uh, there, it's a it is it it is a mm, system might not be the right way of putting, it, but there's a there's a way that is free, and there's a way that is uh, enslaving. Mm-hmm. And and you know, as a pastor, I sometimes think I don't need to preach on this thing because it's not bothering us. And sometimes I think, well, sometimes I, I ought to preach on it, even if it isn't bothering us. But, but you know, I don't know how you guys, you brethren feel, but I wonder in Paul's mind when he went to preach to them the first time, mm. he didn't have to talk to them about Ishmael and Hagar. Mm-hmm. And, nope. right. He didn't have to bring right. out all these uh, ticky-tot points and these details nope. that he's bringing out in Galatians. He didn't have to. Right. He just had to preach the gospel of grace. He may have made some reference to Abraham, but he didn't have to go into all these other things like he had to in Galatians. You know why right. he had to go in those other things? Because these other guys, they came with a bunch of details, a bunch laden with details. And and I, not that I'm against details. I obsess with details. But those kind of details, mm. uh, they just weigh you down. Yeah. They yeah. choke out the profitability of the word of God, like those, the seed sown among thorns and thistles. No, that's uh, right. And I think that's why Paul says, just get back to where you were. You can't get better than free. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get better than free. That's good. That's you can. good. Uh, oh, my so. goodness. Well, brothers, you are not going to believe it, but we're at the hour. Yeah, I thought we were. Um, oh, man. I, this was, I thought last week was a quick hour. <laughs> my goodness. Um, but we're going to take, we're going to take a little bit more time. We, we have it. Uh, brother Mark, give us, uh, some closing thoughts that you have on, on your heart. Feel free to take my time too. Well, no, I'm not going to take your time and I'm going to, you don't know how bad I want to go to chapter five. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. Don't do it. Oh, don't you do it. I I have to. I got to go. I'm going to go to the second verse. <laughs> Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit. Fair. I was going to go to the second verse. <clears throat> Nothing. Nothing. So, again, Paul spends all this time with Agar and Sarah and Sinai and Jerusalem, and, and, and he spends all of this time to to really boil it down to that last verse where he says, we're not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And if you're not children of the free, then you're children of the bondwoman. There's, there's right. no in between. Yeah. And then, no area. No and area. then he just, I mean, talk about a smack. <laughs> if that, if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. How, what a position are we in? If we make that decision and Christ profits us nothing, oh, God forbid. Oh, it just that, oh, that, it that, just makes that me that even more so 
what Mike? What is it, it? It echoes that last verse of Galatians two. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. It does. That is it does. Right. It's just it's God help us all. Mm. Amen. To not fall into the pit of workism to the mm. extent that we remove ourselves as children of the free and become mm. children of the bondage. Amen. That is just Lord help. Lord, Lord help. help. Amen, Brother Mark. All right, that's that's all I'll, I'll Brother Mike, you got any closing thoughts to wrap around uh, that one? I want to go to Galatians bit? six. <laughs> 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 because I just just a, a brief word about I uh, spoilers here now, in case you haven't read Galatians six, um, it ends really well, but it is really well, but, but we, we preach this freedom, the gospel of freedom, this law free gospel. Don't think Paul's saying you're, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to, you don't have to obey uh, the, no. the love, the, the, the law of love. And we'll get into that in Galatians five. And then in Galatians 6, 1 through, you know, about the first 10 verses, he talks about here are examples of things yep. you guys should be doing right now to get this church, these churches back on track. <laughs> and uh, I think that it is the practical implementation of the fruit of the spirit in the churches is what he's getting at in that those first 10 verses of the sixth chapter. But I want to focus just briefly on Galatians 5, uh, 4 um, and uh, verse 29, where Paul says, he says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Yay, right? But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, so, even so yeah. is it now. It is yeah. now. That's that's where I was getting this idea about the behavioral tendencies. Uh, you see, it's not us persecuting them. The free is not persecuting the the bound. It's the bound persecuting the free. Right. And when you see that, you you better believe what Paul's saying. It's right. it really points out who's in the wrong and who's in, probably who's in the right. And, and so, because people who aren't free don't like to see free people. That's right. A little example: when Christ was being crucified, there he was. He was crucified between two malefactors, malefactors. But notice all the people went by wagging on, you know, cursing him, spitting in his face. And as if that were not enough, those two thieves were cursing the Lord, too. I always thought about why would people being crucified with the Lord, cru you know, curse someone who's being crucified with them? And it just occurs to me, that's just human nature. You're yeah. right. It's yeah. just human nature. To want to see that your case isn't as bad as somebody else's, huh. and a system of works is it, it fosters all sorts of terrible notions of competition with your fellow brother and sister in Christ. It's not fellowship; it's competition. Who's mm. doing better? Who's doing the best? Right. That kind of thinking should be wiped out from the church. Amen. It it is the worst cancer to afflict the churches when churches. And, and within that church and the churches among themselves compete with one another to see who's the best, who's the mm. best, mm. Spir most spiritual, the most whatever, you know. So God spares from that and thank God for this letter to help <laughs> us see those things. That's all I got to say, Brother Jerry. Amen. Ooh, yeah, man. That <laughs> amen. Absolutely, Brother Mike. What a wonderful 
session uh, tonight, brothers. Um, so many thoughts continue to just run through my mind as I know it does yours. I, I suppose if if I had any kind of a closing thought, the first thing I, I wanted to do that I did last last week that I, I want to remember to do again uh, for our listeners in their study. Again, this is not your study. This yeah. is a supplement to your right. study. Right. So when you read in verse 22, for it is written, uh, take the time to look at Genesis 16, starting right. with verse 1, and you can read all the way down through, and you'll understand where Paul is referring. Verse 27, for it is written, this is a wonderful one. Go to Isaiah 54 and 1. Amen. Because that's a prophecy of a promise fulfilled. <laughs> A long time before it was fulfilled. So go and read that, and you'll understand a little better what you're in possession of today. Isaiah puts it wonderfully. Amen. And in verse 30, nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Again, go to Genesis 21 and then uh in the 10th verse, Excellent. specifically for that quote. And I, I set that in front of you again to hopefully make it a little bit easier on your study, but understand when Paul or any other writer is speaking of something that is written, it has got specific importance. So it's important to go there. There are layers that are there that will help you better understand yeah. what's being said, uh, in this case, by Paul in, in the fourth chapter. And then the last thing I'm going to say is um, in, um, in verse 24, something that's pretty important. And I think, Brother Mike, it hits right where you were going. Uh, with your comments, which things are an allegory for these are two two covenants clearly stated what they are covenants of worship, uh, one of one of law, one of promise, one of works, one of promise. Um, <clears throat> he says the one from the Mount Sinai which gendereth to bondage, which is agar. That word gender is an important word. Gendereth is an important word. The only point I want to make is this, and Brother Mike, it ties directly with what you said. Uh, Bondage procreates into more bondage. Yeah. Hey, begets more bondage. That's right. It begets more bondage. Wonderful. Um, and and it is imprisoning. <laughs> it it will it will rob you of the liberty that that you have in Christ Jesus. You have been made free. So live free. Amen. Live free. Christ has made us free. So we should live free and be thankful for the liberty that we have relative to the gospel of, of salvation, the gospel that speaks of the finished work of Christ and all of that that he has done uh, for his people. There, Brother Mike, you said it so well. <laughs> can, can you get any better than being free? Yeah. <laughs> you can't. What a wonderful segue into next week. Can we just right. start now? <laughs> yeah. No, I want to oh, eat supper. <laughs> brothers, I, pre I appreciate you so much. I'm sure thankful for uh, the blessing of the Lord and, uh, and, and Lord being be able Christ. to study with you. Same and, here. That I feel that the Lord is, has blessed us to understand in his word, specifically here in this Galatian letter. Let's look to the Lord and uh, and we'll close our session tonight. Our righteous and merciful, loving Heavenly Father, Lord, how do we thank thee as we ought for 
the blessings that you bestow upon us, the opportunities that we have to look into thy word, Lord, understanding that uh, if we understand anything about thy word, it is because it is given unto us of thee. And Father, all glory, all honor, and all praise goes mm-hmm. unto thee. And we just ask, Lord, that you would bless us continually to have a fire within, to look uh, to the unsearchable riches of thy grace, Lord, mm-hmm. that we would know thee better uh, day by day in our lives. Mm-hmm. Bless those that might hear of, of this broadcast, Lord, that you would enhance their studies, that you would take these words tonight and just bless them to use this as a a platform for further study and lord if it be thy will by thy mercy just bless them to grow in Mm. grace and knowledge father forgive us of the times in which we fail thee forgive our sins lord we we just need the spirit of forgiveness so greatly in our lives that we would be strengthened and encouraged as we go forward in this low ground of sin and sorrow with our eye fixed upon glory for we know we will arrive there Um, as thou hast promised in one sweet day. Dismiss us now from this service, Lord, ever be round about us and bless us by thy mercy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And Brother Mark. Good night, everybody. Good night.